Okay. So this is a continuation. Let's get more into this. I left off my last session. I'm going to go and continue right on that. I left off on 22. Colossians 1 and 22. I'd like to say hello to all my listeners. Welcome to Connecting the Dots. I'm doing a study verse by verse out of the book of Colossians. If you want to catch up on things and if you want to hear it in its entirety from the beginning, uh, I recommend you to go back to the first show. You have three shows before this explaining, you know, from one all the way to 22. So you have to go through those three shows to catch up on what I'm doing now. Okay. So I advise you to do that right now because time constraints, I don't have time to elaborate and go back what I talked about. So therefore, before you even start on this one, don't skip through. If you come to my podcast, I don't want you to just go straight to four. Go through one. That's the way you can get a very understanding, a very good understanding of what's going on in this book, okay? So I want you to please do that. Don't don't skip. I know we got to have it doing it. A lot of times when you pick up a book, some people just like to go right to the end <laughs> or the middle, you know, because of our impatience. We want to know what happened at the end before what got there. So it's important to know how all this started in any type of book. And I know that's, that's hard for a lot of us. Okay, so before you start on uh, part four or segment four, uh, Colossians uh, 1 and 22, go, please go to the three previous podcast shows. Okay, that's how you're going. That's the only way you can grow and you get to understand. You can't go right to the middle. There's no way. A true believer must go back. And go from there. You know, that's called studying to show thyself approved. That's one of the aspects of it. You know, okay? All right, to get the whole context, meaning of a book. You understand what I'm saying? If you just go by a certain verse or just start in the middle, you will never get the full context of how I got there. Okay? All right? All right. 22. And the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Remember, I explained what was unblameable, unreprovable. That means that can be nothing charged against the unbelievable believer spiritually, in a spiritual sense, not physically. You know, things can still happen to us and people can still accuse us. We go to courts and stuff like that. So I hope you understand what I'm saying. This is spiritually. And spiritually, there's nothing that will uh, there's no one, Romans talked about this good, death, height, anything will be able to take us out of the hands of God because of what Christ done. That's what I mean, unreprovable. There's no blame spiritually against us. That There's nothing you can tell God. There's nothing that saying, who's the accuser of the brethren? Satan. There's nothing Satan can accuse us of. Because we're unreprovable now. Because everything's on Christ. See? He can't go to God like he done in the book of Job and talk about us and say this. Why does this person live in this way? He can't accuse us of nothing now because everything is on Christ. See? You know God cannot see no sin now. He will still try it, but Satan is wise enough to know that. But he don't want you and I to know that. He don't want you and I to know that. He want us to stay sin conscious. 
He wants us to stay in that mindset like a kingdom program, repenting of your sins, keep confessing your sins, and I felt bad because I've done this, and dwelling on that. Now, he know that ain't getting back God. He ain't getting back God with that, but he also know we don't know that. We don't even believe it. See, you see what I'm saying? That's why he still uses his old tactics. He know it's finished because he got food. He thought it was done on the cross, you know, because it was hidden even from him. He thought he was wise. God outwise him. See, that's why he hates Paul's teaching so much, because he got food. He got hoodwinking bamboozled. <laughs> so he's, he hates Paul's message. Let me continue. 23. Now, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature, which is under heaven, whereby Paul am made a minister. Now, let's go back to 22. Let me try to get to some context, and it's the best way I can. Okay? 22, in the body of the flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. This is a continuation. Okay, now I'm going to tell you what it's not saying. 23, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the God. But now, if you continue to read this through, it sounds like it's saying you're only unblameable and reprovable if you continue in the faith. Because remember, this is a continuation. See, this is where I'm looking at it. And if it wasn't saying it, that means it's contradicting everything else that was done for us. That's why I know it's saying this. If you continue in the faith, what it is just saying, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope, if you continue believing this, see, it's about, this is what I'm getting out of this verse. See, people might disagree. And this is my opinion. This is what, so I'm not going to act like I understand everything. This is what I'm getting out of the verse. And I'm, I'm going this route because uh, Paul's teaches, and this is called connecting the dots. Okay? Don't look at this as he's saying, you're only unblameable and reprovable if you continue in the faith. That means it's, it's almost like it said, if you continue, if you continue to believe this, you won't be affected by this belief. If you continue to be settled and be not moved, see the word moved away from the hope of the gospel. Now, they got nothing to do with losing your salvation or losing their, their uh, position as being unblameable. It's all about even though all this is done for you, you've got to continue to believe it. If you don't continue to believe it, the enemy can just throw all kind of stuff at you and make you doubt. Now, your doubt has nothing to do that, that uh, have nothing to do Okay, what well, was already done and finished. You understand what I'm saying? But mentally, it can affect your walk. You start doubting, like I was just saying earlier. We have to continue in the faith. What is continue in, uh, in this context? Continuing in the faith means we must walk in faith. These things are done already, but if we don't walk in faith, we're going to walk in unbelief and doubt, like a lot of believers do today. See? So I don't want you to think it's saying you got to do this for if you don't do this, you won't be blamable and you won't be unreprovable. Now, this is not what this verse is saying. It's about you have to believe it, period. You have to believe it, not for it to be so. Listen closely, not for it to be so or for it to come to fruition. You have to believe it so you can just not, you won't doubt when the enemy starts throwing things at you or when people come at you talking about this and that. You won't doubt. So you have to walk in things in faith. When we get saved, 
We have special promises and blessings already finished. We are set for the heavenly places already. It is finished in God. Everything is already finished. Remember, I put emphasis on that. Now we just have to help ourselves by believing it. If we don't, it's for our sake. Not that it's going to stop or these things and blessings are going to be tucking away. No, it's just we will walk in doubt if we don't believe it. So we have to continue in the faith and stand on it. Rather, it ain't got nothing to do with our feelings, whatever. If I continue to walk in the faith, if I continue to walk and believe, I cannot be I can't be hoodwinked and bamboozled by the enemy or nobody. See, it's it is so whether you believe it or not. It's just like everybody saying it's forgiven. It is so whether you believe it or not. Only difference you just have your sins forgiven and you're not saying. But whether you believe it or not, it don't make no difference. You are still forgiven. For the body of Christ, for the believer, for the saved person, it don't make no difference uh, whether you believe it or not. These things are already done for you, but it'll help while you're on this earth, while I'm on this earth, I must believe it so I can stay stronger and I can help somebody else, even though I don't see it or I don't feel it because we walk in the flesh, okay? I don't need it in a bad way. I'm just talking about we're humans. Okay. If you continue in the faith, grounding and settling, be not moved. See, move me. Be not distracted. Be not distracted. Moved away from the hope. See, moved away from the hope. You have doubts. When doubts start coming, when the enemy starts throwing doubts to you, and he will, especially if you are really walking strong. See, if you're not moved away from the hope, or some of them was moved away from the hope. You remember, I started off earlier, they had these different type of teachings going on mystical teachings from pagans, philosophy teaching from the Greeks. The Greeks love philosophy and knowledge. Then they had their own Jewish legalism, well, not theirs, but Jewish legalism. Me, these are Gentiles. So the Jews try to get them bonded into different laws and Judaism and stuff like that. They was getting moved away from the hope of the gospel that Paul preached to them. And then he had to remind them, you have to continue to believe that. This is what happened. You are unblameable now. You're unreprovable. You must continue to walk in the faith, ground and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which he have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Paul was the, gospel, the apostle to the world, the Gentiles. That's why he done all those missions. Peter and them did not. They was just uh, stay in the categories of you know Jerusalem and stuff like that because a different message. See, this is Paul's message for the Gentiles. Whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. What does it mean like that? This is what I was called for. I was made a minister for this purpose. That's why I was called. That's why God chose me to do this. See, that's what he means by that I, Paul, am made a minister. I was called to do this. That's why I'm ministering this to you all. This is what I was called to do. 24, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Let me read this again. Who now rejoice in my sufferings. Remember, Christ suffered. Jesus told, you know, uh, when he first got converted and he was blinded. And he told Paul, he told Paul, you're going to suffer for his sake. And Paul suffered a lot. He suffered a lot through his ministry. Five times, okay, five times Paul was beaten 
with a rod, whip. Now, there's different ways they get, they use different weapons and stuff, how to whip you. Five times Paul was beaten with a whip, 39 minus four, that's what the, minus one, the King James calls it, 40 strikes, that means 39 times. Five different times, as up to about 195 times, I believe, that Paul was beaten with a rod. Paul was left shipwrecked. Paul was left for dead. Paul was suffered so much, see? That's what he's talking about. I suffered for this, for this gospel. I suffered for it. I'm going to talk about something else when I get through that. Who now rejoice. But he said, I rejoice. A lot of us cannot say that. We wouldn't ever be able to put up to that a pain that Paul. The reason I believe Paul survived all those beatings, it was supernaturally. That's only one way. It was supernaturally for him to be able to be still alive at that time after all the stuff. Remember they left him for dead? They, put, they tortured Paul. Paul had bad eyes from what I heard. A lot of things happened with Paul. Can't you imagine how his body looked? See, people don't want to be around him. So Paul suffered for this, for us, Gentiles. That's something we need to think about and be so thankful for Jesus and what he done. And this man to suffer. He's pouring it out. I rejoice. This That's a powerful part. He said, I rejoice through my suffering for you Gentiles. For you mean Gentiles, okay? And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ. His afflictions is Christ's afflictions. Christ's afflictions is his affliction. And my flesh for his body's sake, which he suffered in the flesh. I just explained that. For his body's sake, okay? For his body's sake, the body of Christ. The church, which is us. The body of Christ, okay? Excuse me. 25. Here comes the word that many people in other denominations and even some part of the body of Christ cannot, they just don't like, mainly because they don't understand it, understand it, or they have a misinterpretation of it, or they've been taught what it meant. And this is what I'm talking about. This is a word that is used, uh, I think, I believe four times by only the Apostle Paul. Now, why he only he was the only one used this word, I don't know. But he's the only one that used it. It should be something to that. This is the word I'm talking about. Whereof I was made a minister. A minister of what? Remember, we went above. Go stay in context. He was a minister for the Gentiles. I was made a minister according to the dispensation. Now, let me break down. Remember, the word dispensation, the best way I can. I kind of wrote it down. Remember, four times Paul mentions the word dispensation. In 1 Corinthians 9 and 17, Ephesians 1 and 10, and also Ephesians 3 and 2, Colossians 1 and, 12, uh, 1 and 25, maybe it is only three. Wait, 1 Corinthians 9 and 17, Ephesians 1 and 10, and 3 and 2. Again, four times Paul mentioned this word dispensation. First Corinthians, hold on, please write these down. First Corinthians 9 and 17, Ephesians 1 and 10, and Ephesians 3 and 2, Colossians 1 and 25. <clears throat> Let me spread this out a little bit. Excuse me. All right. Colossians 1 and 25. Okay. The word dispensation was only used by Paul in the King James Bible. The other, trans, other translations, if you have another translation, it may say 
uh, stewardship. It may say the other definitions, okay? But in the King James, it, Paul uses the word dispensation, okay? Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Remember, dispensation means administration or stewardship. Let me give you some more definitions. Now, what the Greek word for dispensation, and I don't mess with the Greek and stuff a lot. And I'm going to get to do a teaching on that because you have two ways people look at Greek. You have an original way and you have a trans, you have a traditional way. That's why you have so many translations. Most of the churches use the traditional way, the modern way of the new Greek, you know. And they believe that new Greek is the real meaning and it can be explained better in the ling in English lingo. Okay, but I'm not going to break that down. But the Greek word means oikonomia, which means management or economy. Okay, the method or scheme according to which God carries out his purpose towards man is called a dispensation. There are usually reckoned there are usually reckoned three dispensations, patriarch, mosaic, and Jewish and law and everything like that. Now, what that is talking about, what, uh, some of the old dispensational teachers broke it down that way. It's not the way the Bible said it was done, but that's what some teachers and theologians back then, now I wouldn't call it dear nurse, but just say the fathers of the dispensational grace teaching. Anyway, the word dispensation means a certain economy that God is using at a certain time. I've done uh, several illustrations on administration. I used a precedent. And I, but I used the difference between a Republican and a Democrat. They don't have the same ideology. You know, one is, you know, would just say a conservative and a liberal. You know, just, you know, they have two different types of administrations. Uh, uh, Barack Obama's administration was totally different than Donald Trump's administration and belief things of economy or what they tried to accomplish. Okay, so dispensation, uh, dispensation, and this particular context message. I'm gonna get into that more because I think it's been abused and man too much. And this dispensation. All Paul is saying, God used me in this administration. See, Moses, all of them had a different, had a, a, a economy or a management or a program God used them for. It's all dispensation. But Paul is the only one who used the term dispensation. But it means the same thing how people was used in the Bible. Not the same. So Paul just used dispensation for a reason. In other words, that tells you his ministry is very unique. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God. If it was the same with Peter and the twelve, God, uh, Paul wouldn't have to be so specific about dispensation and God using me for this. Because if it was the same with them, it would be self-explanatory. I'm, I'm just continuing what Peter and them is doing. It's nothing different. But so by him, and this is where I look at it, by him going this far saying, well, if I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you. See, that ought to tell people right now, it's not the kingdom gospel. It's something different. And the you is the Gentiles. 
In other words, I am gay. I am given this administration. This purpose that I'm doing with the gospel that I'm telling you about is for you Gentiles. In other words, it ain't the same as Israel's program. This is another program. We are in a different administration now. That's what stewardship means. We are in a different, different excuse me, administration. See, you have to learn how to read between the lines when it comes between the Bible. Okay? Dispensation just means a certain program or a certain duty or a certain uh, position or a certain stewardship or administration or a certain economy that God is using now that's different from the past economy. You understand? All right. All right. 26. Now, here's the other word that's in the King James Bible that's not any other translations. You know, the other translations use another term. Let me get this. 26. Well, by 25. So I like context. Okay, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. This is the only way we can learn. Where have I made a minister according to the dispensation, according to the administration or the program God called me to do, which is given to me for you, who is you, Gentiles, to fulfill the word of God? What does fulfill mean? To finish off God's plan. This is a fulfillment of the word of God. God, Paul fulfilled God's word, okay, through this dispensation. Because Israel's program is postponed, remember? So he's doing this to fulfill the word of God. This is the fulfillment of God's word, Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is the administration, or Apostle Paul is the minister or the steward to finish up God's word. Powerful. To fulfill the word of God. Now, 26 says, even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Now, let me tell you what this means. This dispensation, this program that God is using Paul for, for the Gentiles, the other nations, was a mystery. Mystery means secret. I think the Greek word is mysterion, which means secret. I might be pronouncing that word, word wrong, but mystery means secret. This uh, program or this administration or this uh, stewardship or this different economy to the Gentiles that uh, Jesus is using Paul for now was a mystery. It was hidden. That means no one else knew about it. He was the first and not only, but he was the first and only one in the beginning that this mystery was told to. He told it to Peter and them later, but he was the one that Jesus revealed this to. Why come Jesus didn't reveal it to Peter now? If, let me, let me just put, make it open up your mind now. People say Peter and Paul preached the same gospel. Do you you might believe that. I hope not. If you listen to Connecting the Dots, I know you shouldn't know now. But many churches, majority of churches believe Peter and Paul preach the same gospel. A lot of them refuse to see that it was two different type of gospels. But most of the church, the Protestant church, evangelical and all that, believe that Peter and Paul preach the same gospel. Okay? You see where I'm going with this. Let me say this. If Peter and Paul preached the same gospel, why would God single out this man 
to go to the Gentiles to preach the same gospel. He could have continued using Peter now. Why would he go to Paul with the same gospel if it was the same gospel? You ever think about that? L listen to closely. I want you guys to be, if you are saved, to get this through your heads and get in your heart so you can be able to just uh, uh, minister to others in the body of Christ. I was made a minister, I as in Paul, according to the dispensation, according to the program God gave to me for you, the Gentiles, to fulfill the word of God. Okay? This, uh, this gospel that I remember is eight different types of mysteries. This gospel, what I'm telling you, was a mystery. If it was a mystery, it ain't the same gospel as Peter now was teaching. Remember? Okay, let me say, Joe, what you mean? Continue. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations. The kingdom gospel that Peter now taught was never hid. It was prophesied. Many Jews was looking for that. Hidden and prophesied are not the same. He continued to say, but now is made manifest to his saints. It's now come to light or made known to his saints. What saints he's talking about? The body of Christ church. It was hidden. It's called a mystery. But now I'm exposing it to you. This is your walk. If it was the same as the kingdom program, God wouldn't have to use Saul. He would just use Paul to continue as Peter and them, or Peter and them, they all would come together like kumbaya, and they would continue preaching the same messages. So why did Paul go this way? Peter continued to go another way. When they shook hands in the book of Galatians, Peter wrote 1st and 2nd Peter. John wrote 1st and 2nd, 3rd uh, John and the revelation of John. St. John, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John and the revelation of John. And James wrote James. See, he could have used, Jesus could have used either one of them to go to the Gentiles with the kingdom message. But no, he used Paul to go to the Gentiles with another message, another gospel only for the Gentiles. And why did God do that? Because Gentiles was never under a covenant. See, you can listen to Paul's lingo, what I keep putting emphasis on, and you, if you are sincere and honest and looking at it objectively, you will know it's not the same message as First and Second Peter, or First and Second, Third uh, uh, Saint John, First and Second, Third John, or the Revelation of John, or even James. You can listen to the message, and you know what audience the audience gives it away. What messages each author is talking to, so it, it cannot be the same message. It, 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 it cannot. There was no reason to separate Paul to write 13 letters to the Gentiles if it was the same message. There was no reason for God to use Paul to call it a mystery that's been hidden from ages to come if it was the same gospel because the kingdom gospel was never hidden. The kingdom gospel was foretold. See, I just wanted to get that out there. Think about that, okay? All right. This was a mystery. I'm just paraphrasing. King James said, even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to himself. In other words, from ages, from time past, and from generations. That means nobody else 
knew about this gospel, but Paul. But I'm now making it known to you Gentiles. The Jews, the only gospel the Jews knew about was the kingdom gospel, because that was prophesied. They, they, the kingdom gospel, that coming Messiah, that coming king, the second coming of Christ. See, they knew about that, but they had, they don't know nothing about the gospel of grace until Paul explained it to Peter now. And they still couldn't comprehend it. Peter made that known. Some things Paul teaches is hard to understand, just like people, people misdo, I'm paraphrasing, his do other scriptures. So Peter even acknowledged that it was part of the scriptures, what Paul teach. It was like he would just say, okay, listen to Paul. That was close to Peter's time to get martyred, killed. So he was telling them, you must listen to the teachings of Paul now. Now, some things Paul talk about is hard to understand. That's what Peter was saying. If it was the same gospel, Peter would not tell them some things Paul teaches hard to understand because the kingdom gospel, they was all in one accord. They knew what that was. They was under the law. They was under the covenant. They knew the kingdom and all that. You know, if it was if it was the same gospel, Peter wouldn't have to just remind his followers some things Paul says is hard to understand. And they misplace his gospel just like they do the other scriptures. You know, you have to go to, I think, Second Peter to get that, all right, because I'm paraphrasing. You, you see where I'm going? All right. Let me speed up. 29. Okay. Even the mystery, remember, the mystery is meaning secret, which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made known. Manifest, King James says, it's come to light, is made known. 27. To whom God will make known what is the richest of the glory. Now, here's another straightforward in your face hint that it's not the same gospel to whom God would make known what is the riches. Now, did the Jews know about their destiny? Yes, they did. Did the Jews know about their promises of their coming kingdom and stuff like that? Yes, they did. Peter and all of them knew about that. But if you read it right here, Paul said he's, he's making it known like it's new. How could you make something known if it's already been used? See, why would you need to know about something that was already done and you already knew about it? How could it ever be new? It is, it's not new if you already knew about it. You already knew that from years and promises before, if it was the same gospel. See, you got to put these things together. Listen to the wording. And it's hard for a lot of believers to do that because traditionally they're kind of stop, uh, blind. They walk, they read right through this and don't even catch it. That Paul is talking about some other gospel. He's talking about something else, not the kingdom gospel. And then the audience is Gentiles. The body of Christ. He's talking to Gentiles, not Jews. Different type of language. If you look at you listen to James' books and John's books, you see the language is different. You will see that if you take those blinders off of traditional church-going denominational blinders that Satan has put over a lot of believers' eyes. And I mean that sincerely, okay? To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. God is going to reveal what is the riches of this mystery. See? Total different gods. We have different breath, uh, blessings, and we, as the body of Christ, have different promises than the kingdom program. Okay, let me continue reading against you. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. There's emphasis on mystery against secret. Remember, 
Emphasis on this mystery. King James Version. Your translation might say secret. Same thing. This is the mystery, okay, among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery, this hidden message, this secret is to the Gentiles. Why I put why specifically say the Gentiles? Why did you just say the uh, the Jews and the Gentiles? See, why he just didn't say this is the Jews? He used the Gentiles. And he, he, he specifically pointed out the Gentiles. Now, that does not mean that the Jews can't get saved either. But the Jews, since their plan was, of salvation was postponed, they could get, only get saved individually now, individually now by believing the same thing the Gentiles believe for salvation. So God put everybody, used to be twain. Twain means two. God put Gentiles and Jews in the same level now. There's no more special privilege Privileges now for the Jews. The only way a Jew today can get saved now is the same way of a Gentile. God see everybody as one level now. See, you, you understand what I'm saying? Because there's no kingdom, kingdom program or none of that today for the Jews. They can only be saved one way, believing what Jesus did. Not believing he was king or Messiah, nothing. That program was postponed. So that's only one way the Jews can get saved. That's why he said the world. Now the Jews used to be the nation. Now they're part of the nations because of their disobedience. They are no different than all the other Gentile heathen nations now because of their lack of faith and disobedience. You see what I'm saying? Paul is the apostle to the world, including the Jews. There's no more separation. Book of Ephesians breaks down the wall of partition. What is the wall of partition? That means there was a separation. There used to be a separation between the Jews and the Gentiles. But what Jesus done he brought everybody together, the nations, plural and the nation together. Now, everybody is one. There's only one way to be saved because the law is postponed now. It's going to come back in the future and the ages to come under the new covenant for Israel. But since the last couple of thousand years, there is no kingdom program. There's no kingdom to be built like, like our churches be talking about. Just like there's no law and all the things that came with the law. Covenants and uh, sacrifices and tithing and signs and wonders and miracles, water baptism, that is not for the day. That was only for the kingdom program. They are in the new, there's a new kid in town, like Michael Jordan told Magic one time. Paul said, there's a new kid in town. You got to follow my rules now that was given me for my father. See, so all that is gone now, for, for now, postponed. But many churches believe they're replacement Israel. That's another teaching in itself. I keep saying another teaching in itself a lot. I use that term a lot because it takes a while to break down certain things. So, all right, let me continue. To whom God will make known what is the riches of this glory, the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, 28. Whom we preach. This is what we preach, Paul is saying. Whom we preach. No, this is what we preach. Okay, we is plural. He didn't just say I on this, uh, pay attention. He said, which we preach, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may be, we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Perfect means mature in the King James Bible. Perfect means complete and mature, you know, and whom we preach. This is something the body of Christ is supposed to be preaching. We are ambassadors. See, the message that Paul is talking about we're supposed to preach is 
Acts 20 and 24, the gospel of the grace of God. Faith alone. Saved by grace and faith alone. Uh, uh, Paul preaches the cross. He preaches the resurrection of Christ for salvation. Not for indictment like Peter and them did. He preaches for salvation. That's the gospel for the world today. That's been like that since over 2,000 years ago. Satan confused all the churches and everything like that, you know. So, you know, a lot of churches are still blind to it, which is sad, you know. All right. Two more verses and I'm going to stop. 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man mature or complete in Christ Jesus. See, this is what Paul is teaching here is to what? To present, to make every man know the knowledge of God, know the will of God, know the love of Christ. That way you become mature. Perfect is that doesn't mean you don't make no mistakes. You need to be spiritually mature. You grow. See, these saints, these believers, they, they, they were strong in the faith. They were standing. You know, they was pretty strong in the faith, I believe. So perfect means mature. We need to know these things so we can grow. We could become mature in the things of Christ. 29, last verse, and then I'm going to stop here. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. I can do all this because Christ works in me mightily. How is Christ working through Paul? Through the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Okay, let me read this again. Whereunto I also labor. I'm laboring with this, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. It's almost like Paul saying, the only way I could do this is, is by Christ working through me. See, remember, Paul went through a lot. And the only way Paul got through this is by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way, or he wouldn't have made it. He would have gave up. So he letting you know, by Christ working in me, I was able to do this, okay? Which worked in me mightily. Christ was in me through the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Okay, I'm going to start right there. I hope you got something out of that. I went from eight, I mean, went today, I went from 22 all the way to 29. When I come back, the next one, Lois Willie, we're going to go into uh, uh, Colossians 2, okay? And we're going to get more and deeper in Colossians 2. You know, I'm not going to break down what this is going to be about until, you know, we read right through it. So I hope you got something out of this. Colossians 1. Read, listen to the first four tapes. That's very important. Keep going over it. Get you a Bible, preferably the King James. Oh, you're not going to get one I'm teaching just with another translation. You know. I taught you out of the King James Bible. I gave you definitions out of the King James Bible. Therefore, you're not going to get the same kind of understanding out of another translation. I'm not saying that you're doing wrong, whatever like that, but when you teach out of the King James Bible, you connect better in the Bible, just like if you had another translation. You connect better in that translation. You can't go to the King James. You'll be lost. But if you had yet that certain translation that you go, you would like to for somebody that had the same type of Bible or close to. Now, some people don't care because they think every translation is the word of God, which is far from the truth. That's the problem. That's the trick that Satan, the lie that Satan got everybody thinking. No matter what translation you get, it's all the word of God. And you, what's happening, you need to just accept or accept anybody's interpretation. No, that the God. No, 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 no. Okay, I'm not going to go there, but I'm a, I'm a, I want to uh, 
tell you guys something. I'm doing a teaching on the body of Christ real talk. That's my other show for believers and unbelievers, the saved and unsaved body of Christ real talk. Right now, I'm doing a little short series on uh, the history of the Christian church and the King James Version Bible. I advise you, please, just just a recommendation. I would like for you to go there and listen to that. It's very important, you know, because I'm looking at different things. I'm looking at data, not only for, you know, for knowledge, you know, it's for the understanding. Because if you are King James Bible uh, believer, okay, and you might get into a confrontation, bad or good, with somebody that reads another translation, you need to know something about the history of your Bible, whether they believe it or not. That will help you to stand on the translation. If you just say, I'm a King James Version only. Listen again. If you are King James only Bible reader, you need you should know something about the history of your Bible. You just don't say that if you don't have no history or background or can explain why you believe only the King James. You can't go back because my pastor said it's the Bible to read. You can't go past such a such a such a such a person or this person said that you can't go back there. You need to know some type of knowledge about why you believe and you stand on the King James Bible. That's just like any other translation, you know. Because I'm a white person. Why are you standing on the white? What makes you believe it? What, you know, not only that, you need to still understand how did it come to be in this, you know, the, how did it come to being what it is? And then why do you believe it? This is just something I'm putting in your head. You can't say, yeah, I just read the King James Bible. Since you been, since you, uh, you, uh, became a grace believer or you understand, uh, the difference between the kingdom and the gospel of grace and the gospel of the kingdom. And, and you learn how to rightly divide. And all of a sudden you was reading another translation. All of a sudden you saying, I only read the King James Bible. Now you need to search uh, the beginnings of the King James Bible. Because remember, the, uh, there was five English Bibles before the King James Bible was printed, started in the early 1300s. Wycliffe Bible was the first. Then you had the Tyndale. Then you had the Mouse Coverdale, okay? Then you had the Matthew Bible. Then you had the Great Bible. Then you had the Geneva. See, that was more popular than all the other Bibles because it was the more later it became, the more was put into it before the King James. So you need to know what's to deal with that. I had to do this myself and I continue to do that, you know, because I want to be able to be... True to myself, not because somebody else said it is the Bible, it is the best Bible, because I found myself, am I honest with myself? Because I, you know, I'm not an only King James Bible reader. What I mean by that, I read also the Living Bible. I don't read no other translation, so I go with the Living Bible for uh, uh, a thought for thought reason. Which is okay. Now I'm gonna tell you what I mean by that. And you have some great man. How could you go there? I understand. I'm doing my history and everything. See what I'm saying. A thought for thought. Uh, what does that mean? You know. Uh, why do I go to uh, the uh, Living Bible? First of all, 
before I knew how to rightly divide, I read the King James, but I was reading the Living Bible because I thought the Living Bible was really translating a better way of explaining the King James. I always knew the King James had some type of authority or something like that when I was first saved. But when I got the Living Bible, I started by hearing about this Bible called the Book. But when I got the Living Bible and everything, I was just, I was ignorant. I thought it was the Bible that was really breaking down what the King James Bible was trying to say. Not to correct God's word. I, I knew better than that. But I was just saying, oh man, it's just so easy to read. I understand it. But you know what? Even though I was understanding it, it didn't have no power. <laughs> I didn't feel that the living Bible had no power, even though I didn't understand the King James Bible that much then. That much, you know, what I did understand the Holy, uh, about the uh, King James, I have no doubt about that the Holy Spirit was showing me things. But I don't, what I mean by that, when I say understanding certain things, I didn't understand what I thought I did about the King James especially right there divided because I done a lot of Bible teachers. I was just like everybody else. I was putting a kingdom pro a program everywhere because I thought I was understanding the King James Bible and the living Bible. I had no way of knowing. I didn't know about uh, dispensations. I didn't know about rightly divided. I didn't know about none of that. Let me hurry up. I didn't know about none of that. So I used both Bibles and I started using the living Bible more. So I kind of, kind of got attached to the living Bible you know, that's when I, in my early salvation, as I started growing, I started learning more and stuff like that. You know, I started saying something about this living. I never was really interested in NIV. It was something scary about the NIV. I don't know. Or other translations and everything. I've met a few times with American Standard and different things like that. But my, the, I was red peeled when I heard a teaching from this young man called Robert Breaker. And then he was breaking down differently. I said, okay. Then later on down the line, I was listening to him. Not as much now. Then I started listening to Les Feldick. And then I started learning more. And I, when I heard Les Feldick as well, his simple, simplistic Bible teaching, making sense, common sense, made so much sense to me. I said, wow. That made so much sense. So, And he was using the King James. And how he was explaining and reading out of the King James and then breaking it down it made it more easier for me to understand then, you know, stuff like that. Now, why do I use it now? Not nearly as much as I do. Now, it's been a while before I use it, but you notice uh, some of my teachers, I tell you I'm using a living Bible for what? For young listeners. So I can give them some type of idea of thought for thought, which is not bad, but you don't, I don't use it for study. Because when you thought for thought, it's not most of the time. Now, it's a lot of truth in the uh, living Bible, but the errors is, remember, it's just thought for thought. You're trying to guess. And what I know now, it's amazing, is, is, and I just found this out. See, I'm still growing myself. There was different texts used, Greek texts, the uh, original and a traditional text. And a living Bible that I know now, as well as a lot of other translations, use the traditional text, which means many people call it the new correct text, Greek text, which is not. But that's a, I want you to go there because this is deep. Why? Because I'm going to go through some things that helps me even love the King James even more now. And it's, I'm getting further, further away from the living Bible. You know, 
the only reason I read, I, I, only way I would read the Living Bible now, if it's just some, just plain and simple, and it, and it has to lines up with the King James. I read it when it lines up, definition wise, with the King James. Anything that sounds weird, I don't put it out there. I, I, I will let you know. No, I don't like the way they go. That's not true. You know, that's not going right. But when it's just playing out, lying and lining up, but in a paraphrased way, then with the King James, that's how I go with that and everything. For the uh, younger believers, you know, because I know the majority of people probably now don't even read the King, especially in this millennium, don't read the King James Bible. And when they get saved and they want to learn more about it, then slowly but surely, I'm going to teach them out of the King James, not the Living Bible. See, you get spoon fed, then when you want to get really in the knowledge of the truth, it has to be King James. That's the only way I can teach you out of King James. I'm not making you do nothing, but I'm just, that's the only way I can teach you. And I'll show you why I teach that way, because of the different definition of the languages and translations, whatever like that. Well, anyway, I'm doing a little short uh, history on the, the history of the Christian church, which you can do this yourself. You know, it's very good. I think I think every believer should know something about the history of the Christian church. I call it the church after the last apostle died because God didn't stop with Paul now. He didn't stop with John. I think John was the last apostle that died, if I'm right. There was a movement had to be gone. The Bible had to be printed by somebody. See, God did not stop there. Sometimes we forget that. It only stopped with the 66 books. It only stopped with the apostles. No, God used people after that. That is not written in no book because technology advanced. You see, technology is an advanced. His work is finished. But his finished work was finished. Why? Because the people still moving with the gospel, what he's going to do in the future. You understand what I'm saying? So the church did not stop after the last apostle. It had to be it had to be transparent, translated. It had to be printed. That's what these guys uh uh uh, Wendell, I mean, uh, Wendell Wycliffe and Tyndale and all these guys come, especially uh, uh, Tyndale, see? And all this leads up to the, uh, the King James Version. Very powerful stuff. So I advise you to go there for that. I'm going to stop now for my time. Right now, this is Joseph Brownlee and Connecting the Dots. Until next time, we'll be getting into Lord's Willing, Colossians chapter 2. Some more meat or one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Colossians. One of my favorite books. I love it. I love it. God bless you all. Until then, bye-bye. Peace out.